Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Forest Spirituality with me, Julie Brett. Um, it's always great to get on here and share with you some of the conversations and um, events that have been happening in my world and um, uh, getting an opportunity to see you around the place is always good fun. Um, it was great to meet lots of people at the recent OBOD assembly in Sydney. Um, the, that's the assembly of the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids that I'm a member of. It's one of the big Druidry organisations um, in the world and um, has quite a, a good membership here in Australia. They have a yearly gathering and this year it was in Sydney and it was really beautiful. We spent uh, uh, four full days um, together and just had a fantastic time getting to know each other and um, doing lots of rituals and workshops and sharing talks and, and sharing meals and just sharing music together and, and having a really great time. Um, it was really beautiful and I was really happy to get my bardic initiation done um, at the assembly as well, which was a real milestone for me in my journey. I've been working in a dedicated way with my OBOD coursework in the Bardic grade this year and um, it's really all come together beautifully for me. It's a lovely course to do. Uh, it's taken me nine years to get to this point so um, although they say it should take you about a year, um, a lot of the time it takes a bit longer than that because either life gets in the way or the journey is just really quite a complicated thing to work through. They uh, look at it in quite a, a beautiful understanding of the personal journey um, and, and looking at our own psychology um, through the lens of stories and elements and connecting with place. And it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to do. And uh, I'd recommend it to anyone who's interested in coming along to one of these assemblies. You do have to be a member of OBOD to come along. Um, but it's it's really worthwhile and the course is lovely. If you're wanting to learn more about Druidry, it's a beautiful thing to do. Um, you can find out about their coursework at uh, druidry.org um, and you can um, find out about their events and assemblies there too. Uh, the next one is going to be in Adelaide in August from the 10th to the 14th of August. And the Golden Waddle Seed Group is organising that and we're look, really looking forward to seeing what they put together. Um, it's, it's going to be good fun. Um, and then they're also going to have one in New Zealand in 2019 in January. So not that far afterwards. So we'll have two really great events to go to in the upcoming months. It's, there's going to be a lot happening um, so not just the OBOT assemblies, but also other things that are going on. Um, we've also got the Druids Down Under National Gathering happening in March. That'll be March the 2nd to the 5th, um, 2018. Uh, and we've got tickets available for that now um, via gli Gliding Seal events. So that's uh, the website that you need to look at is www.gsevents.org.au slash d-d-u-n-g yes i know dung it's a fertilizer for the soul come there and be fertilized in all our dunginess it's going to be great fun so yeah druids down under national gathering um lovingly named dung or if you don't want to call it dung you can call it the national gathering but it's going to be great fun um that's one that i'm organizing along with gliding seal events and um we're going to be uh sharing lots of different ideas on how to connect with the Australian landscape through our practice in Druidry. And uh, there's there's going to be talks from lots of different people from um, the various orders on an introduction to their paths and also talks on animal symbolism and tree symbolism and working with the seasons here and people's different experiences around the country as well as uh, workshops on dance and song and, and how we can use our, our Arwen and our bardic skills to sing the land or um, dance the land or uh, there's there's going to be also talks on writing uh, like pagan pagan fiction and um, yeah there's there's lots of things going on we're going to have more information about that on our website um, really soon as well 
Also coming up is the Australian Wiccan Conference. And though registrations are closed now, I'm just letting you know that I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing a talk on the Round of Amagene and uh, how we can use the story of Amagene, who was the chief poet of the Sons of Meal, um, who were the the human race in the, the stories of the Labor Gabala Erin and, uh, and how they arrived in Ireland and how we can use that story as um, a way of understanding our connection with the land better and using it as a ritual practice. So that's going to be fun to share and I'll also have all my all my stuff, my books and my posters and my jewellery and things to share because I do love sharing things. And um, they'll also there's also going to be a Beltane um, festival this year too. Uh, though we're going to make it a little bit more... Um, uh, it's not such a big pagan event because uh, lots of our usual organisers are helping with running the AWC. So um, we're sort of scaling it back a little bit, but also it's going to be called Open the Doors. So we're going to make it really accessible to um, people who aren't pagan but are interested in finding out what we're up to. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be um, quite accessible for those who've never come to something like this before. So if you've got a friend who's a bit curious about finding more about what we're doing, they can actually come along for the day for free. So you do have to book a ticket and you can do that on um, the Gliding Seal Events website, which is um, gsevents.org.au. And um, yeah, you can you can come along for free, come and have something to eat as well and, and enjoy the markets and be part of the um, the challenges and maybe even get crown king or queen. Who knows? You might be holding the energy for the year. So it's always a good fun event to come along to. And, uh, yeah, we we really would love to share it with more people because it's so much fun. Um, so, yeah, if you'd like to come along, if you're curious, this is a really good event to come to if it's your first time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, today I've got a talk for you with me and my friend Tom Byron. We d- we're just catching up and um, we thought sometimes it's nice to share these conversations with people. And, um, yeah, so it's just another casual chat but we end up getting into some pretty deep stuff he was um pivotal in helping me uh sort of work through this this idea of the three ancestors um and yeah it's it's exciting to have this talk to share with you because uh we get into some fun juicy bits um about what uh this means for us and and how it's helped us and um what it means to be doing druidry in this Australian landscape. It's um, it's good fun to share these talks with you. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you later. Hi. <laughs> hey. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here with my friend Tom. Uh, me and Tom go way back to the first few months when I've come back to Australia after going over to England to learn about the Wheel of the Year over there and where I found out about Druidry and he was one of the first people that I met in the pagan community that um, was interested in finding out more about what I'd been learning about and um, has been a really good friend um, in my journey with Druidry and we've, um, yeah, we've, we've discussed lots of the ideas and things that we've, we'd come across and talked them out and, and worked out how they could be adapted for the Australian environment and how they made more sense for us and what we were doing. Um, we've both studied the OBOD course together and we're still doing it. Um, which level are you on? Um, halfway through the OVATE oh, okay, grade, cool. on and off. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just restarting my bardic grade yeah. with that because I never managed to finish it due to university and having a child mm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes things a little tricky yeah um but yeah it's a great course if anybody's looking for um an introduction to druidry um it also opens up um a lot of good community um connections and and things that are happening around the country um through that um but yeah that wasn't our own our only interest we also shared a lot of interest in different books and um, yeah, and uh, in my book, I thank Tom right at the beginning for oh. his um, help with me um, in discussing the three ancestors. And we had lots and lots of talks about it. We even have pondered the idea of doing workshops on it. Tom's taught on ancestral traditions and um, 
yeah, all sorts of things mm. um, in a very different way to what I do. But, yeah, so yeah. it's exciting to have Tom here. I haven't seen him for years. Yeah, thanks and for having me. he's one of my best buddies. So, yeah. yeah, it's really exciting. So, yeah, I thought we could have a chat about all sorts of things. So maybe... I don't know. What do you remember about when we met? <laughs> <laughs> we can start oh. there if you like, or or we can talk about the three ancestors and what that means to you. Or let's start at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, we met. Well, it's ten years ago now. Easy. Uh, it must I think, be. Yeah, I think I came back to Australia at the beginning of two thousand and eight. Yeah. So nearly ten. So years. nearly ten years. Mm. And um, when we met, we were at a um, we were at a a witch camp, which mm-hmm. was which was an awesome experience, and um, I just moved from the country to Sydney, and I'd been practicing my own stuff, and and just, oh, we should yeah. say just to clarify, it's not the witch camp that I was talking about on another podcast. It's not the reclaiming witch camp that we were at. No, this it was a different one. Yeah, it was just a one-off. Yeah, yeah. with the witches. With the witches, and um, we we had a great time. Um, it was, it was a really, it was really interesting, but this was the first time I'd ever met anyone who was kind of in the community or... Yeah, me too. Or, and, and well, in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it had all been much more public yeah. when I was doing stuff in the UK. And, um, we decided that after our, our nightly ritual, we were going to sit up and drink wine until all hours and, um, Julie was going to tell stories and I really, like... Ever since I was a kid, I've always enjoyed stories and storytelling, and um, and you you sat up and you told us stories like all night. I don't remember this. And really? Yeah. There were, there were there were four of us, and you sat up and you told us stories all night, and and you really took us right into the into the stories. I think you told us the story of Taliesin on the first night, mm-hmm. and um, and that's actually what made me turn around and go, wow, like I've I really want storytelling to be a part of my of my spiritual practice. I've never, I've always enjoyed singing and, and a few different, different things, but I've never considered myself a really, um, artistic person, but storytelling is something I've always really enjoyed and really loved. And when you said, you know, that this was a huge part of your practice and a huge part of your tradition and, Mm. you know, it went from there and you explained what Druidry was and, um, yeah, I actually basically not converted, but I, um, I decided that Developed an interest. I, yeah, no, I decided, I decided at that camp that I was going to, that I was going to, um, you know, refocus my path back towards, towards Druidry and, um, yeah, basically we went from there as a, we've been inseparable ever since. Oh, well, <laughs> except for being separated. Yeah. But, yeah in spirit. All those years. Uh-huh. No. Um, but yeah, so... So after that, I guess we, we started doing Druids Down Under. Yeah, so right back at the beginning, it was very experimental. I couldn't, I was I was kind of disappointed, I guess, at not being able to find anyone close by. Mm. Like I knew there was some groups around in other states and things um, that were doing Druidry, but I couldn't find anyone that was close by. At least they weren't available online if they were, they weren't doing public um, rituals or anything so yeah we decided to set up our own little rituals were you there at the first one what was the first one oh. I know I that remember I, I remember before before you decided that you wanted to do your first public one you and I went down oh no to you the, weren't you weren't at the I first wasn't? one the first one was with Pip and and Brendan and Chris oh yeah that's right yeah yeah. And um but I think you were and that one would have been Storm Festival, so Lunasa. I don't think I did one at um Marbon. Then there was one at Sowen. Did you come to that one where we all got dressed up? Yeah. At the park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was when we developed the interest in Jameson Park. That's right. We've done some funny rituals there. <laughs> Do you remember that time when we were down there and the scouts came along? Yeah, we, we, we were there. <laughs> it was, what was it? It would have been mid-afternoon. This was back no, when... No, it was dark because we were playing Spotlight. Oh, okay. And we were, we were fully... We were fully We decided out. We, would, we, were, we would give it a go because we don't actually usually... Get all dressed up. Get and, all, no. <laughs> and, but we, we were like, no, we're going to be druids today. And 
what we had all of our paraphernalia and we set ourselves up and we this, had tiki torches oh, and was, all kinds of stuff in huge. this open field and, on Narrabeen <laughs> Lake. It was a ridiculous and, setup, um, really. It was it, for two I mean, people, for two it was people, ridiculous. We, we it would have been great for like, a group. Yeah, that sort of paradigm shift where you can imagine yourself being watched by yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, some scouts came up and, excuse me, do you mind if we play a game here? And Julie <laughs> turns around and she's like, yes, <laughs> we do mind. <laughs> We're kind of busy. Oh, was that rude? <laughs> no, you weren't, but it was, it was pretty funny. Like, you know. I was kind of like, um... Well, yeah, yeah, shining torches and running through what we're doing might be distracting. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. But it was always really nice like, those first times when you were coming um to the rituals that we were doing. And we did so many nice ones. Like the, I always remember the flower festival one that we did and we, we found some wildflowers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And and had all these, and we did a candle making workshop. Yeah, I was just and, about to say. And it, we had like lanterns hung around, and that was lovely. And um, yeah, just sort of that that experimental nature of everything that we were doing. Everybody was kind of like, we don't know what we're yeah. doing here, yeah. but let's give it a go, and we'll just talk about it as we go and yeah. see what happens. It was always really fun. I think tapping back into that aspect is always going to be a good thing, right? Like, I think Mm. when you become too comfortable with what you're doing, it gets stale. Yeah. And I think for me, I've been practicing by myself for quite a while at that point. And when I met you, I think because you had come at it from such a different, different angle and because you'd been overseas and and you'd learned so much from, from such a different direction, um, it was really refreshing and interesting to kind of, mm, look at my practices again through a different lens that I learned through you. And, Mm. and I think that that definitely still affects me now. And, um, you know, I still try, I move around a lot. I've lived in a lot of different places and I still try when I go to different places to connect with the communities there as much as I can and try and see things through their lens as well. And it helps you to kind of grow and, and change. Well, yeah. Being inspired by lots of different things. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's really important to me. Um, like with the, like the journey of the Bardo Vaten Druid, to me, Druid, the Druid grade is about unity mm. and about seeing truth in lots of different paths and, and trying to find an, an overarching understanding or connection or unifying thing. Um, or even if that's just compassion mm. and trying to stand in somebody else's shoes to see what, what they're about. I think that's a really important part of the practice. For me, anyway, um, that's, you know, why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love going and seeing what other people are doing. I guess that kind of brings us into the idea of the three ancestors. I'm really feeling yeah. like um, that sort of is a good segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, different things that we get inspired by. Like, tell me about your other interests. What else are you interested in and why did Druidry fit into the mix? My other interests... Um, I'd, I'd studied at the point, at the point where I met you, um, I'd studied a few different traditions, but just, just in that way, well, in the way that was possible for someone who'd, who'd grown up in the country and there was, there was two bookshops, no esoteric bookshops. There were two bookshops. And so it was what I was able to, um, and there was no online no, or <laughs> no, definitely not bookstores. <laughs> the online websites that you found had like gifts of spinning pentacles and like, you know, purple backgrounds and, yeah. you know, flashing <laughs> wizards hats and stuff. Um, <laughs> so I think at the time I was probably, I was probably calling myself Wiccan, um, which at that point a lot of people were and, um, you know, people who weren't initiated into Wiccan traditions were referring to themselves as Wiccan because that's what we were exposed to. Yeah. And, and the books and the, the things that were being marketed were very much mm. un- using that term. Yeah. I um, was too before yeah. Druidry. Um, it always felt like a softer term than witch. Yeah. Somehow more acceptable. Um, but now I don't think that I have a problem with the word witch as like I might have then. And yeah. also I understand 
that, yeah, it's an initiatory tradition. So, though, I guess there's arguments both ways. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't use the word to refer to myself and I'm not a part of any, of any, um, Wiccan initiatory tradition. So I just, I don't come across the word very often these days, to be honest. But there were books like Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner and things like that by Cunningham and things that, yeah, sort of were leading us to believe that, that that was okay. Yeah, mm. and perhaps at that point it was. What I think... was the first book you came across? Sorry, what were you going to say? The first book that I came across. No, it's fine. Um, the first book that I came across was How to Turn Your Ex-Boyfriend into a Toad by Deborah Gray that I found on a bus. And I looked at it and I was like... I remember thinking... I wonder if any of this will work. And obviously I wasn't, I didn't have an ex-boyfriend to turn into a toad at the age of 13 or 12 or I was pretty young. And, um, but there were some interesting ones in there and I remember playing around with them a lot. And I don't know if they, if they necessarily worked at that. And at that point, I don't really know, you know, what I was doing, but, um, It was, it was definitely an interesting opening to a world that I didn't think people actually believed in. Oh, yeah. And, and whether, whether spellcraft, as it's put out in, in books and stuff, is something that works or not, I think that um, finding that made me realise that there are people who do believe in magic. There are people who do believe that, that life is connected and things are connected in a different way. And, um, and that is what basically got me interested and I, and I kind of jumped in like mm. as, as quickly as I could. Um, I was always a kid who was interested in ghosts and, mm. and all of that kind of stuff. And I grew up, I grew up on a, on a property and there was a bit of bushland behind us and it was a beautiful place to grow up, but always very connected to nature. And I think, yeah, although that was the first book, I think, I think the reason that, that it was, a uh, that it was an eye opener for me was just because it, it told me that there were other people out there who decided not to give up believing in magic and whether the spells they were doing worked or not. It was just, it was interesting to see that adults Mm. believed in something that children believe in. And that was very inspiring for me. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think mine was sort of similar. Um, I think, yeah, mine was Fiona Horn. But mine was, I think actually, no, the first thing that I came across, it was when the internet was really young Mm. and, um, and I was looking around online for herbal remedies for things. Oh, yeah. And ended up, like, just because there was a lack of information, I ended up on somebody's herbal remedies, uh, a.k.a. spells. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, what's this, like, special tonic for making your hair shiny that you have to put a charm over and, <laughs> you know, cool. brush, brush your hair in the moonlight and yeah. things like that. Or, you know, <laughs> it was um, not quite what what I'd expected and, and I ended up yeah really loving this person's book of shadows that they had completely online That's awesome. <laughs> that was my first thing and then I found things like Fiona Horn and uh yeah I don't even know after that there was a, it was bunch a long of time ago yeah I yeah. mean a lot of that isn't isn't stuff that I would even recommend to people now you know like for, yeah. for me at the time it was it was my bible but you know mm. I wouldn't recommend a lot of that a lot of that stuff these days but I think what are your interests now? Now, right now, what, my interests are. Or what has the whole journey been like, and why maybe did you? Like, I guess uh, if the three ancestors here that we're looking at are the ancestors of our bloodlines, our inspirations, and the land, we're starting with inspirations in this conversation. Okay. So let's think about yeah, what are your should we inspiration ancestors? Can can we interject and and talk for a second about the three ancestors yeah, as absolutely. a concept. Okay, before we get too far, that'd be great. I mean, in in every druidic book or ritual basically that I've ever been to, there's been some honoring of the land, sea and sky. Mm-hmm. Land, sea and sky is something that I see as very druidic. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen it in, in a few other traditions as well, but I think it's definitely come out of, of neo-druidry or druidism. I, I think... The land, sea, and sky spreading into modern paganism has definitely come out of those, out of those traditions, and um and ancestry is a, is a big part of so many, so many traditions. And um years and years ago, I was having a conversation with Julie, and you mentioned that 
this is this idea of the three ancestors. And um, do you want to... Well, yeah, um, I mean, the way I came across it, it's it's hard to remember and realise where you've gotten ideas from sometimes and sometimes it's just a conversation and sometimes it was an experience in a ritual or sometimes it was just a part of a paragraph in a book and then you can't find the book and it didn't have a, you know, it's it ends up getting a little bit muddy where, where things came from. But I believe that this idea of the three ancestors came from um, me talking to my teacher Morgan about how she structured ritual and it was a part of ritual that she put into the rituals that I went to at Avebury um, when I was living over there and and wherever else we were when she did something and um yeah so she would welcome uh, the four elements and land sea and sky and then the ancestors mm-hmm. but she would and I would say well how do you I had a meeting with her one day and was like well how do you structure your rituals and she's like oh we were welcome the three ancestors, the th- ancestors of our bloodlines. And she might have used slightly different words. She might have said traditions or something like that and the land. Um, and and that was sort of maybe the first time that I came across it. But then I think I came across it as well in um, the writing of Emma Restelor, um, where she talks about the, the ancestors of blood, mud and wisdom. And, um, yeah, so that's... It may have come from Emma that that's how Morgan got it. I don't know for sure, mm. and I've asked and they can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know, it's it's difficult to to work out where these things come from. But but over there, the ancestors of blood, mud, and wisdom are all the same. Yeah, yeah, that's so it. So there was there wasn't that same necessity to um sort of tease it out and work out which one was which because they were all, you know, they were all the same usually. Yeah. Um, whereas for us. This idea of the three ancestors is much more complex because of the time that we live in and the kind of society that we're in and being in, a, you know, not the home of Druidry. The yeah. land is different here. It has different stories and spirits. For sure. Um, so, yeah, us as a, a multicultural group, we, we feel like it's a beautiful thing to recognise all of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the practice of recognising our ancestors is druidry. But that doesn't mean that you have to have the same ancestors as the druids to yeah. be be doing druidry. Yeah, you can come from a different culture mm-hmm. physically. You can have interests in other areas in your life and you can recognise that we live in a different land with its own energies and spirits. So. And, and Australia, modern Australia is such a, a mixing pot anyway. And, um, mm. you know... Yeah, to say to someone, oh, you can't come because you're from a different exactly. cultural background is ridiculous. Exactly. We were recognising our, our ancestors and nature and anybody can do that and we can do that anywhere as well. Yeah. Um, so, I yeah. think I think that's the big thing that we've, we've come to. We've both spent a lot of our lives traveling and, and studying different traditions in the places that we've traveled through and mm-hmm. whether, whether they were pagan traditions or, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, yeah, different well, forms of Christianity, yeah. like. Well, to tell everybody who's listening, me and Tom have both spent decent amounts of time living in Japan mm-hmm. and had really good experiences with, um, Buddhism and Shinto over there. And just the, yeah, the focus on ancestors and nature in, in that part of the world is, is so easy yeah. and natural, and, uh, but also foreign. And yeah. there was a sense of wanting it to be about our ancestors. Yeah. And, yeah, we were listening to a podcast yesterday with Emma Resselor, and she said that she had a very similar experience, which is possibly why we're drawn to her <laughs> teaching. So maybe... Thanks, Emma. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's a, <laughs> that's a, common, a common thing that that happens with people that go and live in these societies where that's um, just daily life to respect the ancestors and to um, recognize the the meaning of the changing seasons. And, um, and yeah, when, once you've lived it, you see that in all of Druidry that you read, it just seems like that's there through the whole thing. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that, that made it easier. I think, especially like the fact that we had seen, it's almost like, Druidry is is so similar to some, not all obviously, mm. but some of the practices of of what happens in Japan. Yeah, for sure. That we'd already seen it happen in another environment. Yeah. And it was sort of like, oh, well, we can do that in Australia too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, th- simple things like you know, 
honoring nature, making small offerings, building a connection with the space that you're in. When, when Japanese, and not, not everyone these days, to be fair, but when Japanese people go to a new area, like a lot, a lot of people are attracted first to go to the shrines because you go to the shrines, you greet the spirit of that place before mm. you go about doing your, yeah doing your business there. And they're always such beautiful places to be. They are. And, and really... in a country that's as built up as Japan, having a a nature religion or an earth-based spirituality as their, as their main religion there is really amazing. You're walking through the streets of, of Tokyo with these buildings that are just huge skyscrapers unbelievably that have been built in like higgledy piggledy ways to make sure that they, they, they don't interfere with the space of a shrine. That's, you know, yeah. hundreds of years old. That's, in the middle of a forest, a in the middle, yeah, of, in the the middle city. of the city. Well, I saw one that was like in between buildings that had been built like around, around the shrine. The shrine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all over the place. You yeah. can hardly walk a block without coming across the shrine. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely thing to have that be part of. Uh, and just the way that people celebrate the seasons there as well, like mm. the way that on the news there's the, the Hanami front, the, yeah. like this wave of cherry blossoms coming up the country and they, they talk about it like it's the weather. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's sort of, it's part of all life there is, is this connection with nature. So, and in a very different way to how it is in Druidry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and I can't, I mean... In some ways, that's sort of taught me about how to interact with the ancestors and with nature. Yeah. But it's also been an inspiration ancestor that's never left my practice. Yeah. I can't, I can't separate my druidry from my understanding of what was happening for me interacting with this Japanese spirituality. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we should. No. Um, and I don't think we need to. Yeah. I think... I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about about cultural appropriation, which is a which is a different thing to what we're talking about now. I'm sure at some point in the future we will talk about that. It's something I'm very interested in as a as a subject. But here, when we're talking about the the three ancestors, I think I think talking about the ancestors of tradition or the ancestors of wisdom. These are things that have inspired us. So I'm not building a Shinto shrine in my backyard or even a Japanese style shrine in my backyard, calling it Shinto and praying to Japanese spirits. But I'm realizing that when I was in Japan, certain things worked, certain things made me feel more connected and I'm using those tools and, and, trying to trying to use them here in a way that is respectful. Mm. There's certain things that I would never do because they're very Japanese and they they almost belong to Shinto. Yeah. But there are things that I've seen in many many traditions that obviously in Shinto they also do that that worked for me while I was in Japan mm-hmm. and um and they're things that I definitely like to use in my in my Yeah. Practices I think now. I think when we're explicit and say this you know, I'm, I'm not taking this on as my own. I'm not, you know, there's, I'm not consciously, I'm consciously not appropriating here, but I'm recognizing that this is a lineage of ancestors that have helped me see the truth. Then I think that there's, uh, like in being explicit about that, I think that makes it a little bit better. I think so. I think there's always going to be issues with these things, but... Um, I think it very much depends on the tradition as well. I mean, Shinto is a very, very open tradition. And yeah, that's there, true. There's no shrine that you can't visit as a mm. Westerner. There's no shrine you won't be welcomed at. I have been to many ceremonies. I've met many um, kanushi, the, the shrine priests, I yeah. suppose. Um, and had big chats, you know, with, with these people about their philosophies and about their ideas. And I think, um, Shinto specifically is, is, is a tradition that's very open to this kind of interaction. Yeah. Um, whereas some traditions are not yeah. and that needs to be respected. Um, but regarding Shinto, I think. And, and often it depends on the person that you're talking to as well. Yeah. Some people might be more open than others and it depends what that person's journey has been like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as long as For I sure. think, yeah, going, coming towards individuals with compassion is really important. Um, yeah. And, and if somebody tells you what you're doing is inappropriate, we should be like, oh, okay, help yeah. me understand why you feel that way. Yeah. I don't want to do something inappropriate, obviously. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. Because that's not respecting those ancestors if we're doing something inappropriate Exactly, as well. exactly. 
And I think living living in a country like Australia where we where we are so multicultural and um very few of us today have ancestral roots that lead back to this country. Or even to one country. And well yeah. Is... Well yeah, exactly. It's it 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 puts us in a position where we have we have to invent our own tradition here. Mm. Um, we can't expect that everybody's just a, a purebred single nationality person. Exactly. I mean, even when you look at each country, there's there's different um, traditions within each country or different areas that have different associations, and exactly. it just becomes too complicated. Um, for sure. Yeah, I think one of the main reasons for me in creating this uh, or, or delving deeper into this idea of the three ancestors, because I don't think we created it, we've just expanded on mm, an idea that already existed. Um, yeah, I think why it became so important to me was because it helped us with inclusivity and com- and recognising complexity without having to be really specific. Like, if you had to go around and say, well, we're a Celtic, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, or name every single nationality that was there to try and find some kind of definition of who you were and then all the different inspirational things that you wanted to bring together it, d- it just becomes way too complex to define but yeah. to say we recognize the three ancestors you can speak about it and let it be whatever it is for whoever's there um yeah so it doesn't have to be uh a shared a shared three ancestors if everyone is is honoring their own three ancestors and being together in that community mm. then we're all on the same path yeah and yeah we're, all of our inspirations are going to be different anyway yeah we all have different backgrounds i mean we're both australian but you're first generation i'm sixth generation you grew up on the coast i grew up in the bush yeah. like really There's different already backgrounds diversity. already yeah. and um and i think yeah, rec- being able to recognise that is really important. Yeah. I I think um, when when we were thinking about it, we were sort of saying, well, we can't do that because that would mean that that person was excluded. So we'll have to change the definition. And we just yeah. were always really thinking about how can we make this inclusive? How can we make sure that everything that could potentially become a part of this tradition is is recognised? But while keeping it druidry? Yeah. Um, because if we're going to call it druidry, we don't want it to be so multifaceted that it loses what it is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, early on I did a ritual that was loosely based on some ideas that I'd found in a Japanese waterfall ritual that was so similar to, I remember that. to what we were doing in druidry. They were calling the elements, they were recognising the ancestors, they were doing a cleansing with water, um, and it was about finding your true self in the, the flow of nature and things like that. And it all just felt so aligned that it didn't feel like there was any issue there. But then also I, there was the question of, well, what are we doing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is this Japanese spirituality? Is this druidry anymore um you know when when is it not and yeah that becomes sort of confusing and to me I ended up just deciding it's druidry for me if it has something to do with being inspired by the idea of who the druids were and to me that means um recognizing nature mm-hmm. and the ancestors and and Arwen those are sort of my main things. I think Arwen is a big is a big concept. You you find you find ideas about inspiration and and flowing energy in a lot of traditions. Yeah. But I, but I think the way that Arwen is presented is is very um, specific to Druidry. Yeah. And for for me, I mean, I've found similarities mm. in other cultures, but yeah, it the yeah you're right. The way it's specifically about creativity is is pretty yeah. interesting. I think. I mean, for me, when when people ask me about druidry and I don't necessarily call myself a druid these days. I've gone through so many labels and just ended up. I don't up... call myself a druid anyway. <laughs> I don't I think I label druidry. myself anything anymore. <laughs> um, I, I mean, if people, if people ask me to explain druidry to them, I usually, number one, I say that 
I've only studied Druidry in Australia. Mm. And although I have studied um, courses or whatever from, from other countries, I've only studied Druidry in Australia. Mm. And for me, Australian Druidry, as I would put it, is connecting with those three ancestors, the ancestors of your own blood, the ancestors of wisdom, so the ancestors who have taught you. Uh, including the wisdom of Druidry. Exactly. Yeah. And the ancestors of the land that you're standing on. And all of that through a Celtic or or not necessarily British, but a Western European lens. I don't really think that that means that the philosophies change very much, but I think it's more of an aesthetic, to be honest, for me. Yeah, right. Like... The, for, for me, I'm inspired by, by the imagery, the Celtic imagery, and I'm inspired by, mm. by um, the, the way that things are presented in the Druidic traditions that I've studied. And, and for me, that's what makes it Druidry rather than just a form, another, another paganism. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, it's about this uh, sort of imagined idea of who the Druids were that has to form because we don't know enough about them to Mm -hmm. know who they were. And, um, you know, there are different ways that they could have been imagined and have been imagined over time. But, um, I think what brings us together and makes what we do Druidry is this shared idea of this imagined Druid that is a pick and mix bag of of really appealing parts of the mythology and classical sources that, that we all have a shared, idea of yeah and it has a really complex uh you know there's a lot that you can take from it it's not a simple imagining there's there's a lot of different ideas in there especially when you look at the complexity of the bard ovate and druid um roles as well and Mm -hmm. and there are so many different you know interesting stories about um people and the you know, the, the shapeshifters and the all, all sorts of different interesting things and, and different parts of the landscape um, that we know about here. You don't even have to have gone to them to, to be like, oh, I imagine I would feel this way walking into a space like that. I'm going to imagine feeling that way walking into a space here. And, um, you know, that, that same kind of imagined uh, sense of who they were but also how they acted. And so I guess in a way it's adding this archetype or this this ideal of the druid to our list of ancestors of tradition really yeah it's like it goes so far back with our bloodline ancestors and our inspiration ancestors in druidry that you sort of just have a a culture Mm, yeah yeah and to some extent it's an imagined culture yeah because there's just parts of it that we can't know that's true and i mean also the druids wouldn't have lasted a day in the australian bush you know, if you if you popped Probably, a Celtic yeah. druid out in the Australian bush, they wouldn't they wouldn't know what was going on. They wouldn't know the trees. They wouldn't know the animals. They wouldn't yeah. know the plants. They they wouldn't last. And I think as Australian druids, connecting to the land is is almost our number one responsibility. Mm. Um, when when we talk about ancestors of mud or ancestors of place, I am. Um, I'm often very careful when when talking about that because it it can often give the wrong idea that we're trying in some way to fabricate or reimagine an indigenous tradition. Yeah. And for for me, when when I call to honour the ancestors of place, um, I will I will basically start from me and I will go back. This was when I lived on my on the property that I that I used to live on. Mm-hmm. I would I would honor my grandparents who were from that area and I would honor their parents who were from that area, the people who lived here for this much time. And then I would honor the indigenous people who lost their land mm-hmm. and then back further and further through as, as much as I could possibly put in. But, but for me, the, the spirits of land also includes the animals who were here before and the trees before that and the rocks and everything right back. And it's very, it's very difficult in Australia where we have such a horrific history regarding the indigenous people of this land. Um, it, it's very difficult when we talk about ancestors of place not to just focus on either the pain of that or just one indigenous group mm-hmm. who who 
are from are from that land or who were in that land at the time of invasion, which is when those maps that we see, that just happened to be at that time those maps were drawn up. Different different groups moved at different times and different 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 things happened. And um I I think for me I I honor with 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 sadness obviously the the people that have fallen in the land before but I um I think it's very important that we that we make it clear that when we're talking about this we're not talking about trying to reimagine or involve yourself in an indigenous tradition if you're not a part of that bloodline. Well, um I think you can recognize I, I mean I think that one of the most important things with um the the ancestors of the land is making sure that it's done in a respectful way. Yeah, of course. And Aboriginal people have asked us all um, to do an acknowledgement of country before doing ceremony or, mm-hmm. or doing anything as a group, anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. Anything. Um, and so I think that that's an important part of it and it should be done in the way that they've asked us yeah, to because that's sort of the ancestral line that's with that that's, of that said this is the way that it's appropriate. Um, but I also think that... Um, uh, when we welcome or, you know, recognise or acknowledge the um, ancestors of the land, we're recognising all of those... Tra- I, I always feel like it's like um, if you could still see the footsteps of everything that walked through a yeah. place, everything for all time, mm-hmm. like how many footsteps are there and if those little trails are, are kind of the echo of that person or being's experience, that's still hanging around yeah um that's what we're welcoming that every single place has those echoes and yeah and it stretches back in time but it's also yesterday and 10 years ago and 50 years ago and you know like how did this house get here how did how did who made this table you know um that's all that's all part of the the history of place and the the ancestors of of the land are are really uh, it's an incredibly varied thing to look at but yeah i think that um yeah looking at the land here is really an important part of what we do and thinking about that deeply is um yeah an important practice in in australian druidry if if druidry means wisdom of the trees Mm. then we have a a responsibility to learn more about this land and it's you know native cycles and everything so I think, uh, and and native traditions too. I think having a good relationship with your local Aboriginal community is really important. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely agree. Or, or at least with Aboriginal people, you know, having, you know, um, to, you know, to, and it doesn't mean like being cheesy. Just, just if someone's an Aboriginal person who's your friend, just yeah, recognize that that's an amazing part of who they are. Part of who they are, yeah. And then it's it's something that um, you know. Uh, as we recognise our ancestral traditions as being important to us, we recognise theirs are too. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. And everybody's are. You know, mm. whoever it is that you're talking to, their ancestral traditions are, are something that, you know, is a, a gift to them and, and something that potentially other people can learn from. Yeah, for sure. Um, with respect. Yeah, obviously and always. Yeah, but it's always... I think going off and reading books or recommending that people, you know, like, yeah... Um, friendship is yeah. often just the best way to learn more about people I think <laughs> on a com- one-on-one level. <laughs> it comes back to the fact that, in, in, in my opinion, it's all about relationship anyway. Yeah, totally. Spirituality is about relationship, yeah. w- whether that relationship is with something you would want to call God or whether it's with people or whether it's with nature. Like re- It is about relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, as human beings, that's that's... I was talking to Julie's husband this morning, actually, that that's one of our major things that we have as human beings is our ability to be in these relationships that hold us and that, and that help us help us to grow. Um, you reminded me before when we were talking about Japan and that, that there's shrines everywhere, every, every block, there'll be a shrine. I think the reason that, um, that focusing on the ancestors of place, um, is really important in Australia is because we don't have, these kind of reminders really is what mm-hmm. those shrines are. Those shrines remind you to kind of touch base every every few blocks. You're walking through the city and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's right. Like 
once upon a time you could see Mount Fuji from here or you know this this tree has a has a spirit in it so they've built a shrine around this tree I think the idea of ancestors of place um, in Australia is really important because we don't have these kind of um, reminders as we as we walk around and and this can the this idea obviously helps us to be more eco-minded as well, because if you're in a place, then you will be an ancestor of that place. You know, when you leave, you've had an effect mm. and the effect that you, that you have on that place can, could define the whole future of that place. And, um, or it has the potential to define the whole future of that place. And so it kind of helps me, when I look at, at this idea, it helps me to remember that because I'm a part of this lineage as well, it helps me to remember that I have an effect and it helps me to be more responsible as a person as well, I think. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which is sort of why Arwen becomes important. Um, and the whole practice of what we do in ritual being to recognise the the complexity of who we are with our bloodlines, the complexity of who we are with all of the different things that we've learned, the complexity of the place that we live in, and then understanding what it means for us to have our own energy in that mix, and to be yeah to be in the process of becoming an ancestor for future generations, and yeah if we can do that by adding Arwen in, the inspiration, the spark, then hopefully the imprint that we're going to leave is going to be a positive one. Agreed. So, mm. Right, the end. <laughs> <laughs> Solved all the world's problems. <laughs> Easy done. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to quickly say um, how, how great it is to use this when traveling. Um, like that this process isn't just something that works in one place, that it can work um, anywhere that you are. If you, if you, like some people sometimes say to me, oh, I feel so disconnected because I'm going overseas and, um, you know, and I'm going to be having like six months there. And so I'll be having Beltane three times in a row or, or whatever it is like. And I had that problem myself when I went to the UK as well. Um, you know, you end up feeling like you're a bit out of whack, but there's this sense of, you know, feeling like the, you're not just in one place. It's not just one story or, or even two stories mm. going on. There's the planet and there's this sense of you know just connecting with the land whatever it is that you're in and not feeling like that you have to be part of a continuous story yeah I think that really helps me um yeah I, I feel like I can use this three ancestors idea to take who I am um the things that I've seen but also what I'm being inspired by by around me and just the essence of the land and its people and you know you can have a spiritual practice that works anywhere with anyone as well. So, yeah. I don't know. How's that been for you? No, I agree. I mean, I think I grew up in a in an area that had very strong seasons. It would, it would get very, very hot and very, very dry in the summer. Mm. And in winter, it would always drop below zero and we'd often have snow, definitely frosts and, and you know the dog's water would be frozen in the morning. We'd have to go out and crack the ice on top of the water so she could drink. And, and for me, I had those really strong, almost European seasons as a kid. And when I first got into, um, pagan spirituality and, and started following the wheel of the year, it it just fit perfectly for me. It, It didn't, I didn't need to change it. I mean, I probably could now, but I didn't need to shake it up much because, it snowed at Yule. Yeah. At Letha, well, you, it was... Obviously with the six-month switch, I guess. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, of course, the, the six-month switch. But um, but then when I moved to Sydney, I kind of felt like, where did, where did the seasons go? And that was really interesting um, to readapt to a place that didn't have a winter or at least not a winter in the way that I was, I was mm. used to. It was a lot, it was a lot milder in Sydney. And, um, and that's why I found it really great when I, when I first met you and we were talking about the wheel of the year and, and the, the different cycles. And that, that was very inspiring to me because it, it helped me break away from the ideas that I'd had. Um, mm. and, and I think even, even from then, um, I kind of 
I wouldn't have called it this at the time, but I, I carried this idea with me that I need to connect to the land that I'm on because most of my practice when I moved from the country to the city became irrelevant. Like the vast majority of my practices became irrelevant. Wow. And so I had to reinvent it <clears throat> because they were so specific to the land that I lived on. Oh, right. Okay. And when I moved to the city, I, I moved from 160 give or take acres out in central New South Wales to an apartment in Newtown. Oh yeah. And my <laughs> life was completely different. And yeah. the, the things that I was holding out for were things like, I remember Imolk being a time of silence. It was, it was so quiet and, and still a bit icy and, I'd go out and every year I'd go out and I'd, I'd watch the sun come up and I'd, you know, I had, a, I had a few friends and we'd do a few things together, but a few, a few ceremonies or, or whatever throughout the year. But when I moved to Sydney, I remember it being Imolk and I was like, it's hot, it's noisy. This isn't Imolk, Imolk's never coming. Mm. And I remember just being like, oh no, like <laughs> Christmas has been taken away. No, but, yeah. but it, um... Yeah, I think from the start, learning to adapt to the place that I was in has been a really important thing. And um, this working with the three ancestors concept has only made that a lot a lot easier and mm. it's given me a lot more of a framework. I definitely when I first when I first left my hometown, I definitely was struggling and scrambling to try and connect to place. But now, um, this concept has definitely helped me a lot. Awesome. And so, um, do you relate differently to the land? where you grew up now because of having developed that? Um, <coughs> I think... Would you just kind of slide back into the way it was before if you ever go there? I suppose you, they don't, you don't have the property available to you anymore, so it might be different. No, the, the property's not available anymore. I mean, I could visit if I wanted, I'm sure. But I don't know. For me, it's home. That, 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 land, is, that land is my home. Hmm. And... Um, and I've, I've lived in different cities, in different countries and traveled all about the place, but that, that place is home. Like mm. those trees and the granite under my feet and the, the, the chill in the air that is very much important to me. And I, and I definitely connect to that. And, um, I've been, I've been to other parts of the granite belt as well, right up, right up into Queensland. And when I arrived there, I was like, wow, like maybe maybe this rock is what makes me feel at home because yeah. as soon as I arrived there and the granite was there, I was just like, oh. That's funny you say that because um, here in the Blue Mountains, the sandstone is called Narrabeen Sandstone uh, and where I lived was Narrab yeah. like just up the hill from Narrabeen. And, um, yeah, so it's, it for me, that there's a lot of the, the native bushland here is kind of similar. There's there's sort of sim slight differences because of the altitude and the cold, but a lot of the land here is quite similar um, the, the cycles seem to happen at slightly different times, but, but there's a real familiarity for me here and having mm. that same rock. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. 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 It's like there's spirits of different kinds of landscapes. I definitely feel like that, um, throughout Australia, there's, there's different parts of the country that I've been to that seem to be telling a similar story. Yeah. Yeah. And some parts are, are so foreign that I, I've been to parts of Japan that were more familiar to me than parts of Queensland that I've been to yeah. or like, it's such a, it's such a vast country and yeah. there's so much going on out there. Yeah. It's huge. There's a lot of work to be done. I think people learning about the different spirits and different energies of different places. And I think travel is actually a good way to open our minds to what we have I think so. in our local area. Cause it shows us a bit of contrast, helps us to, you know, deal with difference. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think that's, that's healthy and good to be able to move sort of away and be like, well, I've got to adjust my wheel of the year. I can't just celebrate on these dates because it's not about celebrating on a date. It's about recognizing a shift and becoming present and aware of what's around you. And I think if we, um, if we go back to the, to the Celtic idea or even to the Arthurian mythologies, um, bards or, or people, people who were going through, through initiations would travel. Yeah. You know, you travel to learn the land, to learn the people, to learn yourself. And, and for me, I mean, for me, travel has been something that is, 
changed everything about who I am as a person. And it's something that I've done since I was quite young. And it's something I will always go back to, to shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that it's not for everyone, but at the same time, I think that a part of, a part of Druidry and a part of connecting to the land is being able to go somewhere else and see what's different, see what's Mm. like, what are you connecting to? in comparison to other things, Mm. you know, people, I mean, the Blue Mountains in in New South Wales is is an amazingly beautiful place. And most people will come here and just be stunned and say that it's absolutely amazing. And you ask them why, and a lot of people will say it's just so different to anything that I've seen before. I think we can really find beauty in our own spaces and in our own environment if we do travel out and come back and and see what is unique about our situation. What can we learn? What unique lessons can we learn from the land that we live on? Yeah. And I think going out and coming back is a great way to be able to see that. Yeah, it brings you into presence, which is what it's all about, really. Yeah. The whole thing is just about recognizing the complexity of the moment and, um, yeah, working out how to connect with all of that at once and having concise ways to explain it is, um, useful. Yeah. And difficult. (laughs) And difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And complex and simple and paradoxical always. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I think it's time to finish up yeah, so, for now. yeah thanks for having a chat i'm sure we'll have plenty of other things to talk about thanks for the tea it's nice that you're in the area now yeah hopefully we'll be able to get to do this again soon yeah it'll be ya. good cool thanks for listening everyone <laughs>